everybody. Welcome to Defy Convention. I'm Emily Lonegro, founder and owner of Lime Red. This podcast features our friends and clients who break boundaries, challenge the status quo, take risks, and make big change. Lime Red is a 16-year-old design agency that's a B Corp and has always been committed to social justice and impact since day one. This podcast is an incarnation of our BC, that's before coronavirus, in-person series dedicated to the same ideas of breaking boundaries and defying convention. Recently, when we talked to people about what they wanted in a podcast series, everyone said, we wanna talk about mental health, boundaries, justice, and momentum. These ideas matter no matter who you are, and we need to talk about them right now. Let's get started. Today, I'm really excited to interview our new friend, Sarah Dysack. She is a sex educator and the owner of Early to Bed, which is Chicago's first woman-owned, which we're always about, education-focused sex shop. She started FTM Essentials in 2012 to provide gender expression gear to folks of all ages. In addition to running a retail store and website, she lectures to community groups and colleges around the state on topics relating to masturbation, sex toys, and positive sexuality. She's committed to working to create a culture where everyone has access to honest information about sexuality and all folks have access to the services they need to protect their reproductive rights. She lives in Chicago with her girlfriend and their kid who never sleeps. I can definitely sympathize with that. I have two of those myself. So thank you, Sarah, so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. You know, this podcast is about defying convention and I'm reading your bio. I'm like, well, what convention don't you defy? Tell me a little bit about um, how you operate in your industry and, and how you think about it. First of all, I think the, I've been doing this since 2001. So what the industry is now is very different than what it was when I started. And I started the store mainly because I was the, the stores that were operating in Chicago were very conventional in the sense that they were sex toy stores that are focused on the male gaze and the male consumer. They were sex toy stores that were focused on profits over quality. They were not education focused. I had some very, you know, less than fantastic interactions with staff at sex toy stores when I was just a consumer. Um, where I would ask simple questions and the response that I would get would be either dismissive, confused, Mm. or like, I I really like shame. I felt felt the shame from people who were working in sex toy stores. And the tradition of this industry, the history of this industry is, it's based on the idea that we don't talk about sex, the idea that, you know, who's buying the sex toys are usually men. This, of course, is all the this is not what's happening now, but the, the men are buying the sex toys. So sex toys had been marketed towards women, men. They were, you know, you, a vibrator ostensibly for a woman to use had, you know, cheesy, sexy, you know, <laughs> kind of very, right. Yeah. Yeah. Bad, yeah. Terrible packaging. Uh. Um, safety has never been a concern for this industry until more women got involved in it. When I first started, like, you know, high quality toys were hard to come by. They were only boutique made. Um, The idea being that you, 
have this shame about a sex toy. So you're not going to go back and complain if it burns your vagina or breaks in a week or whatever. Right. So I think what I did when I started was my whole idea was to open up a store that was vastly different than what was available, especially in Chicago. There of course have been women oriented, education oriented feminist sex shops in on the coasts or sure, uh, sure. the other coasts. Um, yeah. For a while, you know, Good Vibrations has been around since the seventies. Uh, Babeland, which used to be Toys and Babeland has been around since the nineties. There's a place in Madison called um, A Woman's Touch that's been around since the nineties. Um, so other places have had these stores that were not your traditional sex toy store, but Chicago didn't have one. Yeah. Um, And so the big thing that I wanted to make a difference was I wanted to make the store friendly towards women in particular, welcoming of everybody, but to, to, to really pay attention to this group, this huge group of people who've been left out of this discussion about their own sexuality, right? That, you know, if these toys are made for women, why are they not presented in a way that women would want or lots of people would want? Um, I took things that when I first opened the store, I took everything out of the box. Well, we had testers for everything. So you could touch stuff that was new. Like that is now common in most sex toy stores where there'll be a tester of every product out. But that was not being done in Chicago. When I opened the store, you would have to walk in look at a plastic box and be like, I guess I this know. is the one I want. And they're for not me, it was- cheap. Right. You know, no, they're no, not. Yeah. yeah. And you don't know, right. You said, and, and even if you can touch and fondle and turn on a toy, you still don't know if it's your jam till you get home. But yeah. just this idea that like you could feel the difference between two toys or that someone can talk to you about different types of vibration or different shapes of toys and stuff like that without it being, you know, shameful or also profit driven, right? Like there's still a lot of it's normal for a, a retail store to have profit be the reason for existence. Sure. Yeah. That is, that's how retail works and profit is, we are a for-profit business. It's an important part of my business in order to maintain the business. It's an important part for myself in order to sleep at night, you know, to be able to know that we are making a profit and we're surviving, which took what, like 15, 16 years to even be in that place from opening. Um, so it's uh, still trust new. me, I know that. I know that. Right? Like, it's still yeah. like, profit. I need to make money. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so, but, but for me, I, I think in a big difference with, compared early to bad and other mission-driven sex toy stores compared to the traditional model, which of course is still everywhere too, is that while profit is important, I'm way more interested in people's experience in the store. And I would so much rather have my staff um, help someone buy a $4 sex, it's not a $4 sex, but buy a, you know, a $12 vibrator um, that is right for them than a hundred dollar thing that, you know, Cosmo magazine says the best vibrator, which is not relevant to this person's needs. I would much rather give someone a referral to, um, a place to get therapy than have them buy a 47th sex toy for their partner relationship. That's not solving the problem that they have. I mean, we deal with people who come in here and you're like, you don't need a sex toy. You need <laughs> you to, to go to therapy. therapy. You know? I mean, like, 
Yeah. It's also a wonderful opportunity for a regular store to be like, oh, sure, buy this, buy this, buy this, you know, like, and it just morally, um, that's just not how I like to operate the store. Will we sell expensive sex toys to people who come in and want them? Absolutely. No problem. Um, Will we sell sex toys we feel bad about? No. I mean, like, we, I don't sell dick pills or numbing creams or anything that I feel like um, could be harmful, can take away from the pleasure of sex, uh, that is in my own little feminist world, something that I feel like is anti-feminist, you know, all these things. Um, even if those are the things that could make me a ton of money, like if I just sold dick pills and poppers, I mean, bank, you know, but I don't want to capitalize on people's insecurities about the size of their penis. And I don't want to, you know, yeah. How do anyway, you, like, I know that you can like personally hold those values, but like, how do you get your team on board? What, kinds of different things are you doing marketing wise or message wise to say we're different? How do you position differently? How do you train your staff? What's most important to you? Um, Well, I mean, first of all, it's hard and it's been this, you know, struggle for 19 years. Um, It was, in one way it was easier in the beginning because we were different enough that it was like, this is a total new concept. I mean, not really, but it's a whole new concept for Chicago this is Chicago's first women-owned sex toy store. After I opened the store, some other sex to- women-owned sex toy stores that looked very similar came along. Sure. All seem to be gone, but um, that's another discussion. I mean, I um, know that very well too. I mean, we've been mission-driven since day one and I, I feel like we're kind of the, the hardest core about it. Like I will not sell out. I will not take a corporate something or other that isn't mission driven as well. I will not do something that's not values aligned. Like, and I know a lot of other people do it. And I just, there's just, it's not in my blood. I have panic attacks and I'm losing my shit. So, (laughs) I mean, I, I know the feeling, but also like sometimes one of the things I've figured out and we're a B Corp and doing this mission stuff is sometimes I've had staff that are more in it for the mission and kind of, forget that we're also a business. And while the mission is important, like you said before, we still have to make money and I still have to pay you. So we still need to sell things and be creative on either selling the right things or getting the right people in or volume or something or other, but we're not just here for the mission and just like, okay, you know, there is a, there is rigor to the work that we do. No pun intended. (laughs) A great word. It wasn't it, but but like, how do you walk that line? I've had a really hard time in my leadership of my company in 17 years. Um, yeah. With that. Well, it, it, I have to say I've been very lucky that there seems to always be an abundance of people who want to work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are able to really find people who I think align with our missions and our values. And it doesn't always work out. I mean, there's been a lot of people who've come and gone throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's been a bunch of long haulers, you know, I mean, I went through a period where almost everybody had been with this company for at least six or eight years. Um, we have a newer crop of people for the most part right now, but um, you know, we make it very clear what our values are. Um, we train people to our specific way of selling things, which is a very personalized sort of hands-off, but we're here for you, but we're not going to be up in your business, but we can answer any question, you know, like, which is, it's a, it's a dance. And, you know, of course, talking a lot about, about this kind of have to make a line in the sand of pre COVID versus whatever. Right. Yeah. Happening now, but it actually has worked out pretty well. I think that because it's a retail job, 
it, and it's working with interacting with customers who for the most part are in your face. I mean, in your face, but they're, you're, you're face to face with them. You know, there's a lot, there are a lot of customers. There are some customers who don't understand or appreciate what we are there for. Yeah. And who treat us in a way that makes it challenging to continue to be the friendly, helpful people we want to be. But by and large, the folks who walk into our store, the folks who we have communication with are, are coming to us because they're, they're, they, this is what they want. They want that kind of experience. They want to support a store like ours. And, and to your question about like, how do you let people know this? Like, it's just, it's kind of it's an ongoing, you know, I mean, one of the things that's been really important for me throughout the years is a lot of, um, associations that I've had with social service agencies and other organizations where we, you know, do outreach and we do talks and we do lots and lots of donating and stuff like that. And I think that having organizations trust you that, you know, align with your values um, is really helpful to let other people know that you are a safe place. It was really important to me that there was a face to this company so that people know we're not like, some store that's secretly owned by some large corporation or there's some dude over here pulling the strings like and so i i have made myself the the you know my pictures on the website i'm readily available to people i'm out there trying to let people know that this is the person who's here to help you you know that this is yeah. the person at all a real person who's passionate about this who still loves to buy vibrators like I still, my favorite thing about this job is buying sex toys. And I don't see that abating at any time, even though now I'm in my office, I don't spend a lot of time in the store. Um, and I have a staff that does most of the customer interactions. Um, I have found people that I really trust to, to be the front facing people and to talk to customers and to deal with the business in a way that I would do if I were there. I mean, of course, it's always a little different. How have you seen like customers or customer interaction or, or, or maybe special requests or changes. How have you seen things progress? You've been in business for a long time. You've been in the industry for a long time. I mean, we've been, we're talking about sexuality and body, body positivity and gender and things so much more now, so much more now than ever before. I mean, I, I just, even the last week, are you like, yes, this is what we've been doing the whole time. Thank you world for catching up with us. Or are you kind of stunned that we made it or we have lots to do? Like, what's your, what are your thoughts on those. where we've been and where we're going? All of those things. Like, I mean, on one hand, I keep thinking, oh, we're going to be obsolete in six months because everyone's going to know everything they need to know about sex. You know, it's <laughs> ridiculous. But, but there's still so much to know. Oh my gosh. There's so much to know. It's it's super, so are so much more well-educated now than they were when I opened the store. Yeah. For the most part, we still have a culture that is deeply rooted, especially when it comes to people who are assigned female at birth in sexual shame. Yeah. And so there are still like in 2021, we are still, I mean, I don't know if it's happened so far this year, but we will still be talking to people who have vaginas involved us about how to have their first orgasm when they're in their, 20s, 30s, 40s, and older, right? Like that's something that I thought eventually we would stop doing, but there's still this divide. There's still this quote unquote orgasm gap, um, especially for, you know, cisgender women who partner with cisgendered men. There's still these things that you think, 
if we know so much, why are we still, you know, people are still getting bad information from their doctors. They're still being sexually shamed by partners who had a different experience with a different person. The concept, the very base concept of everybody's body is different, it still eludes a huge percentage of the population of this country, you know? Um, <laughs> And I think until that is really in everybody's brain, we're still going to be relevant. Um, plus, there's also people who come of age every day who, you know, yeah, yeah, always be new so people. Weird. But um, do you think yeah, that this is a Midwestern thing? Do you think that this is like a like I lived in New York? I remember I used to go. I used to go to Babeland. I remember, yeah. and this was like in the early 2000s. And and do you feel like 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 it's just a, like it's just kind of like this midwestern thing or do you think it's everywhere is it we just yeah i mean i'm not going to say i don't i haven't done a you know study of the midwest versus other places but we're in chicago right i mean i know we're in, I know, we're in a huge thing right, right, right. And we're on the north side we're in a you know a place where education and you know whatever this not that there's other places and so that sounded really bad but like i think that sexual shame fear of sex lack of knowledge about sex and sexuality is everywhere like i don't think that that's there might be more quote-unquote sophisticated things happening on coasts or big cities versus rural towns or whatever but you know because so much of it is about the, there's still a lack of education about sex and sexuality and as there's more information available on the internet mm-hmm. there is which is great but there's also still stuff on the internet that is backsliding right it's either bad information or wrong information or twisted information and you know to teach people how to I mean this is not my job but like to teach people how to like suss out what is good information I mean clearly this country has a problem with (laughs) being able to know what's real and not um so it's like it's like a push and a pull so we get people in the store now which we've never had before we're like hi, this is my first vibrator. I know I want this brand and this style and I've read all about it and I've done my reviews and this is what's going to work about, which would not have happened, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. But we still get people who are like, I'm scared to be here. I don't know what I want. I've never masturbated before. I've never had an orgasm. My partner's mad at me for, you know, not having an orgasm when they put their dick in my vagina. You know, like there's this like, there's still this stuff that is not, we're not shaking off in our culture. So yay that yay that you're here. I think we'll be able to survive at least 20 more years till I can retire. But um <laughs> knock on wood. You know, because what you can buy a vibrator on Amazon. Why do you need Yeah, I was wondering do people come in and like do in-person research and then go buy it on I bet they do, which would be like so crappy to do. It's really so crappy, crappy to do for bookstores and, and sex toy yes, stores. Yes, any retail. Oh. To go into an independent store and use it it's as your oh. show, showrooming, we call it. That is the worst. Um, luckily, they don't usually tell us. But we also help a tremendous amount of people who have a bad experience buying something from Amazon. And then they come to us. I mean, it's sort of baffles me the amount of phone calls in my life that I have had where I'm talking to someone about I'm troubleshooting a sex toy or something like that. And then I'm like, well, did you get this from us? You know, it doesn't, oh no, but I don't know who else to call. I bought it from Amazon or their sex toy. And I'm like, okay, so could this be a lesson maybe? Yeah, like, maybe <laughs> um, don't do that again. 
It's so cheeky. You know, and I don't know, and I'm happy to help people. And I love being like a dildo detective and solving people's problems or finding what they're looking for. But I totally get freaked out about Amazon and other stores that, and also the fact that what we're doing now isn't as revolutionary as it was when we opened, right? That sex toy stores now tend to look more like ours than they used to. And so we're not as unique. I think when you do it with a heart, I mean, this is my heart. I do this because I have a passion for it. And I've weathered, I think, stuff that maybe somebody who was in this for the money wouldn't have weathered, you know, like very stressful, lean times. Um, And and then the pandemic, because at the beginning you were doing curbside only. And then just, I think. We are open and closed and open and closed. Yeah, and I was in there, I think, three times this pandemic or maybe twice, like once was curbside, once was you could go in and it seems like it's, yeah, I, that's gotta be just it's, terrifying as a retailer. It's the hardest. I mean, I will say I'm very grateful. We had a very robust uh, website business to start off with. So we didn't really have to like build that, which I think so many retailers, small retailers had to do. And I think that's really, really hard. So we've been lucky that that's sustained us because we are open and closed and open and closed and, you know, balancing what the business needs to survive with what, with safety things, with what my staff wants, like all of this stuff, it is, there's, I have even, you know, the hardest times I've had in the store, this has been just excruciating, right? I've worked harder this year than I've ever worked in my life, even counting the two years when I opened the store and they didn't have an employee and worked every day by myself. Like this has (laughs) been way more challenging in so many ways, but I'm very grateful that, you know, you're still here. We're still here. And we are, you know, planning and opening again. We kind of, I hate it. I hate this. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking when we were talking, everybody before we were recording this, I was like, I want to talk about mental health. And, and there's so many, I hear so many similarities, similarities in what you're saying, what I've experienced. Like I've been through two recessions, so many shot government shutdowns, the state didn't have a budget for a bunch of years, a a pandemic you know, like mm-hmm. we've been, we've made it through so many things. And like, I think it's our commitment to our mission and my hardcore, um, I will not sell out attitude, but you know, I can't deny that there have been many days where I wanted to quit. <laughs> like I just, I just honestly, I don't know what else I could do. I'm the worst employee on the planet, but uh, I do really, but, good, I think at like Dunkin' Donuts or something, really, <laughs> I could be running that place in a month, but I feel like I would make furniture. I, I gotta like make yeah. something. My hands are, I don't know. I would like, I don't know, do drywall. I'm really good at putting up drywall. Oh, but, but like, I, I don't know. Like how, how do you keep your head in it? I, especially with COVID and the ever shifting nature of it. You're open and you're closed and you can, like, how do you keep your head together without? Well, I cry sometimes. I mean, yeah. I, I cried cry the first, like every day, the first three weeks of this. And then, and it's interesting to look back and be like, whoa, I thought that was bad, you know, like March last year, but it was way more scary than it is now. Like it was like, this is becoming so used to it. But I mean, one, and then so many times I wish I, I just, I think about all these wonderful people who get to have someone else make these decisions for them. Like this right. decision fatigue, like that is like yeah. real, like this is, I don't have a partner. I mean, I have a, life partner, but I don't have a partner in the business. I am very blessed with an awesome uh, shop manager who 
helps me make decisions and she's got a lot of opinions, which are great and align very much with mine, but she's somebody I can talk to, which I didn't have that for years. And that makes a big difference. I have other, I have a, where I'm on a listserv of a few other small feminist sex toy stores. And so we just have each other to bounce ideas off of and to commiserate or, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm very fortunate and then I have a supportive partner at home that has been listening to the same shit come out of my mouth for, you know, 19 years. Oh my God. You know, like, cause it's, it, nothing is that new, it's, right? Yeah. It's the, yeah. It's even in the pandemic, it's the same stressors, um, some new ones, but, and yeah. And I, I, I think being in this community where I am, like being in Andersonville, I'm on the chamber board. I have relationships with other businesses in the neighborhood. I think that really helps being able to, you know, talk to other businesses. What are you doing? How are you handling this? You know, that is really important. I didn't have that when we were at a different location. I didn't have any of that. And I felt like completely isolated. I feel so much less isolated here. And that makes all the difference in the world is having people to talk to. Yeah. I remember so. starting out, there were no, there were no like women business groups. There was no, yeah. there was no B Corp. There was no right. social blah, blah, blah. It was just like me and a bunch of dudes. Right. And you know, like, and like, I don't trust you. So I'm not going to talk to you, but yeah, I, it's a totally different set of circumstances. Now I feel like I've got lots of different kinds of business circles that we can, I can mm-hmm. ask and ask for help and just say like, I am going to check out today. I just don't want to do it. And I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. How, I do. How, have you, how have you seen uh, like your customers mental health shift? Have you seen people, people's needs changing, especially during COVID? Like how, well, I mean, well, I met well, someone well, in during the pandemic and like started a new relationship in during the pandemic, which was bonkers. Amazing. Yeah. Like, no, I don't, can't believe that actually. Yeah. We actually figured that out. Well, I mean, one thing, I mean, on on a very surface level, we're seeing so much less of people. So we have way less idea of what's going, you know, we can now a lot of our knowledge of what's going on with people is purely based on what they're buying. Um, And I will tell you that there is a lot of people who are home masturbating from what I can (laughs) glean, you know, not that we're again, talking to everybody, but (laughs) sex toys. And I see this, you know, uh, I hear this from other people in this industry is that, you know, we are not a recession proof industry, but something as something like this, <laughs> where they're, where everyone's home and they're having yeah. to soothe themselves and there's so much, they're spending less money on other things. You know, all these things I think are contributing. It's been interesting to see too, that especially when the pandemic first started and I was packing all the orders or a lot of the orders myself, and I had more of a day-to-day interaction, but sex, but sex was like off the charts really? as far as equipment is concerned, uh-huh. at least whether or not like, that while we're home, we might as well do everything. I kind of think, all right. Yeah. Like, okay, let's try this thing that's been on the whatever, or I would normally go get this from some, from somewhere out in the outside world and I can't, uh-huh. so I'm going to stay home. And, um, so that has been interesting, uh, to just sort of see that shift not shift, but little blip of growth. Um, but I definitely think, you know, we're seeing, uh, I'm noticing again, this is mainly because I'm paying attention different ways. 
you know, the same customers ordering in shorter time span, like multiple orders in shorter time spans. And I think would normally happen like, oh, this was great. I'm gonna get some more, you know, like, which is again, awesome. We love return customers. Um, and I don't know if specifically that's about pandemic or what I'm paying attention to this right now compared to normal. But um, I definitely think that we are seeing overall more people spending time at home, yep. finding ways to enjoy their body, finding ways I'm hoping to to have joy in the middle of this horrific global pandemic and realizing that, you know, an orgasm is still very safe, especially if you're having it alone or with your cohabitating partner. And it's mm -hmm. a way to bring yourself happiness and pleasure for a brief moment. Get rid of a little bit of stress at least. Right. Yeah. It's an incredible stress release. There's all that too. Yeah. Like, like orgasms release endorphins and they yeah. you know, have can have a huge positive effect in your body and your mental health. Um, how can you be sad when you're having an orgasm? Um, whether you're not, that comes back two seconds later, you know, whatever. But yeah, I think we're seeing definitely that. Plus, if you're staying home every Saturday night, you got to do something. I mean, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. We've done a lot of education work and lectures. I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are curious and they're going to check, check out early to bed. What like little nugget of wisdom or like advice or insight can you leave with us today? When it comes to our bodies, I feel like what I always like to just tell people is that, you know, there's sex is about pleasure and not about achievement, and that it's up to all of us to trust our bodies and to find the way that our body can most enjoy pleasure and to not worry about what someone else is doing or what matrix you think you're working on as far as how long you do or whatever. Like, it's not really not I'm babbling, but um, to trust your body and to find what brings your body pleasure and to go with that and to not worry about where that fits in the Cosmo world of what you should be doing. Yeah. Um, from a business perspective, I mean, people come to me for advice all the time and I'm like, I'm not a business person. I loved something so much and I wanted there to be a place where I could, that wanted, that I wanted to exist. And so I did it. And so my advice to anybody I love to tell is just, if you have a passion about something and you are in a position where you can explore that passion to do it. And if it doesn't work, you're hopefully not much worse off than before you started. Like I had a backup plan for the first like 15 years. I was like, okay, well, this is the job I could get, or this is what I could do, or maybe I could work here, you know, because I could, I, and I still feel at any moment, the rug get pulled out from under me, but then I will have known that I, I wasn't financially, I mean, I was young. I didn't have a family. I didn't have a lot of obligations, but I wasn't, I didn't have money when I started this. I didn't maybe. know what I was doing. I had, no, I maybe had $300. Huh. Maybe, maybe, probably not even that. Maybe. I borrowed some money and I got a shit ton of credit cards that took me 10 years to pay off. But, <laughs> and I kept thinking to myself, I'll never have this, you know, like business advice, you know, amount of money in the bank and three years of salary and all this stuff. I was like, but also I could just do this and fail and go back to what I was doing before. Sure. At least I would have tried it. So yeah. Is it the advice. worst thing thinking of like, well, what if I had, I mean, that to me is the worst way to live. 
miserable person. Always just try it. <laughs> yeah, right. To do it, to do it. And then of course yeah. I know that's not, it's, it comes from a great place of privilege that I was, you know, in that position and I could try it. And also naive enough. Like, yeah, I was really dumb. I was like, you 20 something. yeah, you know? no, no, kids, no, ha- nothing. I didn't even have no. a car. No, hey. I was like, I'm just going to do this. Cause if I don't, I'm going to lose my mind. I feel like there's that ache, that feel of you in, in your body. And you're like, I, I, if I don't do this, I'm going to walk around with this forever. So you've got to just try it one time. The hard part is though. Now I'm like, what? I don't, I don't have a next goal. No, I, I spent so many years fantasizing about doing this, imagining when I was going to bed at night, like, what would my opening day look like? What is this going to look like? And now I'm like, I have, I don't have it. I keep coming, trying to come up with a new dream. And I, no, which I is fine. Have- People are like, where do you want to be in five years? I'm like, right here, yeah, like, you, could, keep- you know, a better chair. I don't know. Like, <laughs> a better chair. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I've been searching for a very long time for the right office chair, but anyways, yeah. thank you. I mean, that is really the driving force and what all I really want out of this at the end of the day is for people to feel comfortable coming in there and asking questions and yes, buying things, of course. But you know, if we can be the place where someone asks a question, they've been dying to ask someone for X amount of time or, um, then that is, that's, it's all worthwhile for uh-huh. all the other horrible things that happen running a business <laughs> <laughs> well you can still masturbate and get a little yep. bit out right always that always that well sarah i just want to say thanks again for coming to defy convention and everybody we're gonna when we when we post this pod we'll have all of the ways you can get in touch with sarah and their website and again the store is called early to bed go buy all the things ask all the questions <laughs> and buy local and not on amazon and thank you again and we'll never. see you all never no never, never. <laughs> we'll see you all again next time thanks again